Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The following podcast contains adult content, explicit language, and sexual themes. Listener discretion is advised. And it contains murder. Lots and lots of murder. You stinking bastard. People tell me, hey, you're going to go down and go to hell. I'm going to come out and run. Time for 911. Where's your emergency? Oh, this is Katie. We're pretty one yuck. One in the chest, one in the head. Fired by Detective Sergeant Roger Rogerson. I was uh, branching out, that's when the cannibalism started, eating of the heart and uh, the arm muscle. Oh, oh we're now Carl Williams means to a copy tail and just and just pull the head of his backside. Carl Williams is a wobbly bottom little Cherub face, cherub face little boy who would, who, 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 whose life would be. I'd harm someone each time, I'd kill someone to be an enormous amount of uh, Especially at first, an uh, enormous amount of, of uh, horror, guilt, remorse afterwards. But then that impulse to do it again would come back even stronger. Mayor of Bell Gardens, California, Daniel Crespo Sr., abused his wife, Lavette, for 28 years. He also threatened those he worked with in the council and had a secretary fired for not sleeping with him. On September 30, 2014, while beating Lavette, he turned his violent rage towards their teenage son when he tried to intervene. Crespo punched his son in the face so hard he fell down the stairs. What happened next was an unusual ending to a horribly common situation. Hi, I'm Barney Black. And I'm Tara Saraband. And this is Bloody Murder. We're a comedy true crime podcast focusing on some of the lesser known crime stories from Australia. And indeed around the globe. As a comedy true crime podcast, we sometimes use humour to lighten up horrendous stories of violence, but never at the expense of the victims or their loved ones. Yeah, because murder ain't funny. If you think comedy has no business being associated with tragedy, then Bloody Murder may not be the podcast for you. Now, before we commence our sordid tales, we'd like to remind you this episode is brought to you by our wonderful and generous patrons. We've had quite a few new ones join our fancy Patreon program, which we will thank individually after our story. If you'd like to become a patron, go to our website for details. That's bloodymurderpodcast.com. As a patron, you have access to dozens of other episodes, including our You'll Always Find Us in the Kitchen at Parties first season (laughs) and ad-free versions of all of our regular episodes. As a patron, you'll also have access to exclusive patron-only episodes where we pretty much do what we do in the regular episodes, but sometimes while being shot out of a cannon into the mouths of hungry sharks. Dum, 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 dum. Yeah. Yeah, we, we dropped one last week. It was a cracker. It was indeed a cracker. And mm. uh, there were actually those, um, the monkeys, the drunk monkeys were drinking my daiquiris and, and wreaking havoc. With, uh, they were wearing jorts. They were wearing jorts. Well, one they of were. them was trying to take his jorts off, but it had a time Yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to hear that yeah. actually happen in real... Real time, mm-hmm. 
recorded last week. Yep. There you go. Be a patron. Yeah. Levels above $5 receive stickers and handmade Barney badges. And levels $10 and above get a selection of bloody legendary merchandise. All right, Tara, let's get murdery. According to LA Weekly, by 2014, Lavette and Daniel Crespo had been married for 23 years, but had been together for 28 since Lavette was 14 years old. Their marriage was monogamous on her part. Detectives later asked Lavette when the relationship had become violent and she told them since year one. Daniel Crespo grew up in the 1980s in Bushwick, which was an impoverished area in Brooklyn, New York. He and his older brother William were raised by their single mother and never knew their father. They were of Puerto Rican descent and a lot of their close-knit family lived on the same block. Crespo met his future wife, Lavette, when he was 14 years old and she was just 11. Her home environment was so terrible that she'd sometimes sneak into Crespo's house to sleep. Compared to the abuse she suffered at home, he had been the safest option for Lavette since she was a young girl. Crespo's nickname since he was young was Tony, after John Travolta's character in Saturday Night Fever. Only instead of disco dancing, Crespo's passion was for singing karaoke. According to LA Weekly, Crespo's cousin Gilberto Torres said that he was a great bloke who would give you the shirt off his back. And what a shirt it would have been. Red polyester, slim fit with a big pointy collar. As you know, Barney, it's really difficult to find some humour in these heinous murder cases we discuss. Now, I've seen the PG-rated version of Saturday Night Fever, not the R-rated version. Um, It was a really long time ago, and all I remember about it was majestic 70s outfits, goofy dancing and a Bee Gees soundtrack. So when I found out this factoid about Crespo's nickname, I thought, here we go. This ought to be fun. You know, we can say stuff like this. Maybe he was nicknamed Tony because he spent a lot of time combing his hair and looking in the mirror. Or perhaps it was because he loved donning a white suit and popping his hip out while pointing to the sky. But then I started reading up on Saturday Night Fever quotes and watching some clips and holy fuck that shit is dark. Like pitch black misogyny dark. Here's an exchange between Travolta's character Tony and a young woman named Annette who offered to sleep with him. Are you a nice girl or are you a cunt? I don't know. Both? You can't be both. That's a thing a girl's got to decide early on. Do you want to be a nice girl or a cunt? Oh, the old Madonna or whore categorisation of women. Nice one, Tony. Yeah, which one are you, Barney? Both and many more things, Tara, like every human on this planet. I certainly don't need to ask John Travolta's character Tony if he's a nice guy or a cunt now, do I? Although, his best mates decide to rape Annette in the back of a car while Tony sits in the front seat. He tries to get her away from them, but they talk him out of it, and he seems just like a little bit uncomfortable while they're raping her. Does that make him a nice guy? That's an incredibly low bar, Tara. Especially since after the rape, he turns to Annette and says, Now you're a cunt. Apart from how hideous that is on every level, I'm also outraged by the use of the word cunt to victim blame someone. A cunt is either a close friend or someone who did something really terrible. Yeah, Tony and his friends are a bunch of cunts. They certainly are. 
It should be noted, though, that uh, Tony tried to rape a girl too, but he didn't end up going through with it because he's so damn heroic or whatever bullshit narrative on masculinity the filmmakers were going for. But Tara, it's cinema. It's a classic film. Oh, yes, Barney. It's a work of art. A story of one man's journey to find himself. I'm sure stories of men's journeys could be told without so much casual misogyny. That'd be refreshing. As a society, we could all use some of that refreshment. Anyway, considering his lack of respect for women, nicknaming Daniel Crespo Sr. Tony proved to be a pretty apt fit. While riding the cyclone roller coaster at Coney Island, Crespo's foot was injured. He won $100,000 in a settlement and used the money to get the hell out of Bushwick with Lovette and his brother William. They decided to move to the sunny streets of California, settling in the small industrial city of Bell Gardens. In 1987, a now 15-year-old Lovett gave birth to the couple's daughter, Crystal. Ambitious Crespo worked at a paint company during the day and went to East LA College at night. He graduated with a degree in criminal justice and in 1991 he became an LA County probation officer. In 1995, the Crespo son, Daniel Jr., was born. Soon afterwards, they bought a townhouse in a gated community called Vineyards La Capana, a new housing complex for low-income first-time homeowners. According to LA Weekly, later that year, Lavette took their eight-year-old daughter Crystal to a friend's birthday party. When they got home, Crespo asked Lavette what they had got the girl for her birthday. When she told him they'd bought her a little radio from a 99-cent store, he became enraged and asked her if she'd bought the inexpensive gift with his money. Lavette told him that their daughter Crystal had paid for it, but this did nothing to calm him down. Lavette later told detectives, Crespo said, You don't be fucking spending my money, before punching her in the face so hard that he broke her nose and blood sprayed onto the ceiling. That nasty anecdote pretty much summed up who Daniel Crespo Sr. was as a person. The Crespo's daughter, Crystal, later told a grand jury he would go from 0 to 100 and recounted an incident that occurred when she was 16. Lavette was driving the family home from church one Sunday when, without warning, Crespo punched her in the side of the face because he thought she may have looked at another man in church. Lavette was unfortunately so used to these random acts of violence she didn't say anything and just kept on driving. According to LA Weekly, it seemed that Crespo was under the impression that being violent in a romantic relationship was a totally acceptable way for a man to conduct himself. He was on Twitter for a while under the screen name Prince of Puerto Rico and after Chris Brown beat up Rihanna in 2009, he tweeted him some supportive words of advice. He said, don't apologise anymore. People will capitalise on it. It will die out as everything else. Tweeting your support for Chris Brown. How naive am I for never guessing that was a thing fellow abusive men did? Lavette worked in an unpaid capacity as her husband's secretary, helping him with paperwork for his rental properties and also from his job as a probation officer. Crespo owned a rooming house called the Gage House and he kept a spare room there for himself. He told his family it was so he could go there and sing karaoke, alone. See, that doesn't sound very believable. Well, that's because it was bullshit, Tara. The neighbours never heard any crooning along to the Bee Gees coming from that room. In an unsurprising turn of events, it was actually his fuck pad where he took women he was banging, sometimes on his lunch break. So, Tara, he's a probation officer, right? Yeah. 
That's the kind of power that should never be handed to a man like this. And yet, here we are. According to LA Weekly, Crespo would also demand sex from Lavette and drag her upstairs to the bedroom if she refused. This abuse was such a normal part of her life. Lavette later told detectives, I may kick and scream to myself and cry, but the next morning I wake up and I get him a cup of coffee. And I get him his breakfast. And I iron his clothes. Crespo was keen to get into politics and got a foot in the door in 1997 when he was elected to the Vigna La Campana Housing Association Board. Now, if you're wondering if there were any others apart from his family that witnessed his controlling and violent side, let us assure you there certainly were. After a 1999 Housing Association board meeting got a bit rowdy, Crespo allegedly showed those in attendance his handgun and said, I can shoot anyone who yells at me. When questioned by police afterwards, he denied the allegations. However, this incident resulted in him being suspended from the Housing Association board for five days. A suspension of five whole entire days? That's a bit harsh. I know, right? Instead, they should have bought him a strawberry milkshake and told him that his neatly trimmed goatee looked nothing like a merkin. It did actually look a bit like a merkin. It did. Power-hungry Crespo dreamt of one day becoming mayor of Bell Gardens. In 1999, he ran for Bell Garden City Council, but he came in last with only 80 votes. Ha, huh, suck it. But Crespo was determined. In 2001, now with more political allies, he was finally elected to City Council. When he'd been in office for just over a year, he hit on newly hired 28-year-old City Council Secretary Diana Gonzalez. After unsuccessfully propositioning her, he politely said he would not bother her again, apologise for his behaviour, and that was the end of it. No, he didn't. He kept harassing her for five months, after which time he told city manager John Ornelas that she was a money-hungry bitch and demanded that he fire her. Instead, Ornelas transferred Diana to a different department. Crespo did not think this was punishment enough for her rejecting his advances and again demanded she be fired. So Ornelas fired her. Two years later, in a lawsuit Diana filed against the city, she stated she became the subject of sexual commentary, unwanted sexual advances, invitations and harassment at the hands of Councilman Crespo. Diana won a settlement of $70,000 for her unfair dismissal. Crespo was furious when the word got out about his treatment of Diana and in a memo he accused Ornelas of dirty tactics and creating a hostile environment for him at City Hall. Oh, abusers just love to play the victim, don't they? Oh, yeah. Mayor Jennifer Rodriguez responded by telling Crespo, you are the one initiating a hostile work environment at City Hall. According to LA Weekly, in 2004, after not being invited to speak at a celebration of Latino-American civil rights activist Cesar Chavez's birthday, Crespo told the city manager Ornelas that he was going to kick his ass. He also said to him, You fuck with Crespo and you will fuck yourself. You fuck with Crespo and you're a dead man. Before he eventually resigned, Ornelas wrote in a memo, I have never experienced in my career a man with such vengeance, hate, volatile and violent behaviour. His rage and double standards were even more apparent at home. Lovett later told detectives he had said to her, a woman who cheats should be sliced from head to toe. She went on to add, we couldn't watch a movie that had to do with infidelity because he'd changed the channel. He would say, I don't need you getting any ideas. 
Such was his jealousy, Crespo will be sent into a rage if Lovett talked to a waiter or hugged a family friend. This furthered his agenda of isolating her from those around her. He demanded she not even leave the house without calling him to let him know where she was going and why. He also ordered her to call him again when she returned home. Lovett later explained to detectives, I don't have any friends. I am not allowed to go out unless it's with him. Crespo hardly ever brought his wife with him to events as he didn't want her to cramp his pants man style. On the rare occasion when she did go, she'd sit in a corner and not speak to anyone. It was no secret that Crespo stepped out on his wife frequently. Oh, so a woman who cheats should be sliced from head to toe, but a man who cheats should be congratulated? No, oh, yeah. Crespo loved bragging about his sexual conquest to co-workers. Oh, it's so disgusting. Mm. He also had a creepy penchant for recording conversations he had with them. He even sent Lavette a recording of himself boasting about his dick-out exploits to a co-worker. Ugh, why would he do that? I don't know. Maybe it was her birthday. Ugh. According to LA Weekly, at a fundraiser in May 2012, Crespo met 35-year-old Paddy Olivas. She was also married with kids. Their affair started in September of that year and by March 2013, Patty was pregnant to him. She and Crespo apparently decided to raise the baby together, which would have been bad news for both Patty and the baby. Her pregnancy turned out to be ectopic, which is when the fertilised egg implants outside the uterus, meaning Patty had to have a termination. This did not in any way affect she and Crespo's burgeoning love story. In May, they held a commitment ceremony, Tara, at the Stratosphere Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. Fancy! Fancy! It was essentially a wedding that was not legally binding, where they exchanged vows and rings and declared they'd be together one day. <sighs> Crespo was decked out in a tuxedo and Patty wore a long white frou-frou dress, much like what I'm wearing right now. Oh, I think yours is prettier. Thank you. They couldn't legally marry each other as they were both already married and living with their spouses. When Crespo returned home from this trip, he wore the ring given to him by Paddy. It was one of a million ways he had of showing Lavette she didn't matter. In July 2013, Crespo fulfilled his dream of becoming the mayor of Bell Gardens. Um, excuse us if we skip the ticker tape parade. Yeah, I've got to wash my hair that day. Yeah, I've got to wash Barney's hair that day too. Crespo's relationship with Patty was, of course, a toxic one, and the two fought a lot. It was not uncommon for him to hit her as well. At one point, they made a sex tape together, and he ensured he weaponized it by threatening to make it public when she didn't behave the way he wanted her to. Patty later told the grand jury that after she tried to commit suicide by taking 30 Ativan tablets, Crespo agreed to go with her to couples counselling. When his wife Lavette had tried to convince him to go to couples counselling with her, he had flatly refused. When Crespo ran for re-election, he brought Paddy with him to knock on doors and speak to constituents, which is a role traditionally reserved for a candidate's wife. Lavette had figured out the passcode to Crespo's phone and knew everything about his affair with Paddy by reading his texts. Lynette texted Crespo imploring him to end things with Patty as she said the betrayal was torture for her. His response was, let it take its course. Yeah, I'm doing some counselling with my mistress. Yeah, yeah, sexy counselling. Oh. Hey, baby. 
Toxic relationships are a complicated beast and there are no perfect victims. In a lot of domestic abuse situations, the abused will sometimes hit back at their attacker or say violent things to them as well. These incidents will often be used against them later to make it seem like they were the aggressor. Lavette's text to Crespo, later presented to a grand jury, showed that she could lay down the rage quite well too when provoked. In one she wrote, I can give 25 to life out of my life. That's how much time I would do if I get fucking fed up and reach the point that I would seriously, without a doubt, kill that bitch. Then it will really be over. On February 28, 2014, Lavette went to the Gage House fuck pad to confront Crespo and Patty. While they were banging inside, she banged on the door yelling for them to come out. When that was unsuccessful, she punched a window, breaking it. Crespo dragged her away and told us to go home. She did, but not before keying Patty's car and writing whore on the hood. The next day, Crespo made a joke about how Lavette should join him and his mistress for a threesome. Although we're sure it was fucking hilarious, she didn't find it funny. She needs to get a better sense of humour. That's what people who make rape jokes and domestic violence jokes on social media tell me when I question their posts. Lighten up. Get a sense of humour. You don't know what funny is. Lighten up, darling. That's when chicks make it. They call me darling. Because women make rape jokes too. And domestic violence jokes. In March, Patty and Crespo stepped off the toxic merry-go-round of their relationship and broke up. But don't worry about Crespo not getting laid regularly because he started seeing someone else soon afterwards. That's the thing about abusive narcissists like him. They tend to have a lot of superficial charm. That's how they get people in. Crespo's new girlfriend's name was Tanisha Morales and she was a bartender at a karaoke club he frequented, thrilling everyone's eardrums with his hauntingly beautiful rendition of Staying Alive. Lavette found out about his latest affair when she saw $13.17 in flowers charged to Crespo's credit card. Romantic. Mm. According to LA Weekly, in a bizarre turn of events, Patty and Lavette started texting each other to commiserate about the new other woman Crespo was seeing. You couldn't make this up. Patty sent Lavette a text saying, You need to vent to someone that is not your family and get perspective. Lavette texted back, Yeah, I do need to vent to someone. You know I have no one, no friends to talk to. I'm sure he told you that, right? Patty replied, Yes, and he wants it that way, so no one can tell you to snap out of it. She went on to add, I'm not saying to leave him. I am saying wake up. We'll be back with the conclusion of Lovett cried no more after this. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, Barney. What time is it? It's True Crime Nerd Time. Hooray! True Crime Nerd Time. True Crime Nerd Time. True Crime Nerd Time. I love True Crime. True Crime Nerd Time is an opportunity for you, our listeners, to give us your recommendations for anything true or fiction crime related. It can be a book, movie, TV series, graphic novel, song, or just about anything that has scratched your crime obsessed itch. Are you itchy, Tara? Mm. You can record your voice, just do it on your phone, we'll play it, or write it, and we'll read it out. And we have one here from Doug Costa, and he wrote to us about the Investigation Discovery Channel show, Dead North. And he writes, Hi Tara and Barney. Hey! True crime nerds need to see the Investigation Discovery Channel show, Dead North. It's a four-part miniseries that follows a small-town female police chief as she searches for a missing man in her rural area of Upper Peninsula, Michigan. Chief Laura Frizzo provides narration of her own story and the documentary includes crime scene footage as she searches for the missing man. It features multiple suspects, first-hand interviews with witnesses and plot twists weirder than the movie Fargo. Oh, sweet. And murder, Tara. Lots and lots of murder. So much so you'll have to stay with it all the way through the closing credits. Well, that's a good tip. Yeah, yeah, I like a tip like that because sometimes you'll you'll stop it and you'll miss the best bit. That's right. It's available for download on Amazon. Well worth the money. There's also a shorter one-hour version on the series The Lady Killers. Huge fan of Aussie ass. When I'm having a bad day, I replay episode 85 story of Cusser flashing Google Maps. Always makes me laugh. <laughs> She's a bloody legend, mate. Mm. Hey, baby, Doug. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug. That show is called Dead North, the details of which will be in the show notes. Now, if you'd like to submit to True Crime Nerd Time, visit our website, bloodymurderpodcast.com, for instructions on how to contribute. How is your mental health going so far this year? Are you coping okay with the things happening in your life and the world? Or do you feel a bit defeated, even though the year has only just begun? Do you want to make changes in your life, but you're just not sure where to even start? We're both big believers in therapy and there's no better time than now to take care of your mental health. BetterHelp is there for you no matter where you are. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapists. You can connect in a safe and private online environment. And you can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's professional counselling that produces real results, not self-help. You can communicate with your counsellor at any time. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. All without having to leave your house, which is particularly important in the current state of the world. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counsellors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counselling, and financial aid is available. And it's a service you can access worldwide. You can be communicating with licensed professional counsellors who have a broad range of expertise and specialise in areas such as anxiety, grief, relationships, anger and trauma. 
Anything you share is, of course, confidential. It's convenient, professional, and very affordable. If you want to start living a happier life today, connect with BetterHelp. As a Bloody Murder listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com forward slash bloody murder. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they've been recruiting additional counsellors in all 50 states of the USA. Get matched with a counsellor that suits you by simply filling out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs. Uh, feel free to check out the dozens of positive testimonials on their website. So visit betterhelp.com forward slash bloody murder. That's betterhelp.com forward slash bloody murder. And now for the conclusion of Levette cried, no more. According to LA Weekly, Lavette Crespo had intermittently brought up the topic of getting a divorce in conversations with her husband. According to her husband's brother, William, in 2004, she said that when Daniel Jr. turned 18, and I quote, she was going to split, leave him and take him for whatever he has. Sure, William. By 2014, Lavette was at her breaking point. She said in a text to her husband, death will be better than this hell you're pitting me through. Divorce me. She told him she didn't want his rental properties, only their townhouse and some alimony. In response, Crespo replied, Get the fuck out of here. You are not my motherfucking child. Eh? Uh? Yeah, sounds about right, really. 2014 was a bad year for the Crespos and they were struggling financially. Over half of Crespo's rental properties were worth less than he owed on them and he had a lot of credit card debt. He'd also been diagnosed with testicular cancer. Yay. And undergone several operations. His friend, radio host, Randy Economy, said it was not fun for him to have to go through treatments. It scared him. He realised he was a frail individual. His friend was called Randy Economy. Yep, Randy Economy. Not two words you would usually hear together. Was a pity. In June, acting on the opposite of the advice she gave Levette, Patty got back together with Crespo. Gasp. Patty later told a grand jury that she was angry about Crespo's new relationship with Tanisha Morales as she said she'd left him so he would go to be with his wife. She reasoned that if he was having an affair, it may as well be with her. Hmm. I'm not sure about that yeah, logic. I don't think that's something Confucius said. Hearing he was back with Patty prompted Tanisha to rock up to the Gage House fuckpad banging on the room door with a baseball bat in hand. Levette was furious with her former ally for rekindling with her husband and texted Patty, I hope you get AIDS, bitch. Levette asked for a divorce again, this time telling Crespo she didn't want anything in the settlement. On Monday, September 29th, Crespo took the day off work, unbeknownst to his wife, and escorted sidepiece Patty to Catalina Island for her birthday. They ate ice creams and went parasailing in the sun, leaving Crespo sunburnt. When he got home from work, Levette was unhappy about the lies he'd told her. She correctly guessed that he'd been out in the sun all day, not at work as he continued to claim. Crespo told her that he'd been outside in the sun while at work, carrying a printer that needed a toner cartridge replaced. That's not how you change a toner cartridge. No, not mm. the way I do no. it. To prove his point, on September 30th, 2014, using logic we don't understand, he sent Levette a recording of himself talking to a co-worker about her not believing his story. On the recording, the co-worker said, What do you mean she doesn't believe it? What kind of relationship do you have? <laughs> if he only knew. 
Yeah, well, this had the desired effect of upsetting Lavette and making her angry. She texted Crespo, and I quote, Tell your faggot co-worker to shut the fuck up, fucking bastard. To answer his motherfucking question, the relationship I have with my wife is that I am continuously every day cheating on her, end quote. Not one to be outraged or out-outraged, Crespo texted back, fuck you, rotten hell, motherfucking piece of shit. Lavette replied, I responded to the audio you sent me. That's all. Crespo's next text said, when I get home, let's see how you'll respond. With the rage I have, woman, you shouldn't be pushing my buttons. According to LA Weekly, 19-year-old Daniel Crespo Jr. was a shy and slight young man who was the most mild-mannered member of his family. He was in class when his mother rang him on September 30th, so her call went to voicemail. Straight away she texted him, Please come home. It's your dad. Crespo preferred to beat Lavette when their two children weren't around, so she hoped having Daniel rush home would de-escalate the situation she could see coming from their heated text exchange. When Daniel got home, his father wasn't there and his mother seemed very anxious. When he asked her what was going on, she told him to go to his room. 46-year-old Crespo stormed through the front door at 2.30pm. He found Lavette in their home office, which was located on the second floor of their house, near the staircase. When recalling this moment later, Lavette said she knew how furious her husband was by the way his eyebrows arched and his nostrils flared. She later told detectives she begged Crespo, please don't do this, as he locked the office door. He told her, shut the fuck up! The first of his punches hit her in the back, then he punched her in the face. Daniel heard the altercation from his bedroom and rushed to the office, banging on the door, yelling for them to open it and for his father to stop. Daniel had never confronted his aggressive and overbearing father before, but as we mentioned earlier, Crespo preferred to beat up his wife when the kids were out. It's very thoughtful. Mm. Crespo opened the door and glared angrily at Daniel, warning him, Don't fuck with me, son. Although Daniel was around the same height as his father, Crespo was a good 50 pounds or 23 kilos heavier. Daniel later told a grand jury that his father rushed at him. He said he tried unsuccessfully to grab his dad's hands before Crespo punched him in the face above his right eye. This caused Daniel to stumble backwards down the stairs towards the lounge room below. Flailing for something to break his fall, he managed to get hold of the wooden banister, but it broke in his hand and he fell to the landing. Daniel got up and continued walking down the stairs to the first floor, deliberately leading his father away from his mother. Letting his own rage flow through him, he yelled at his dad, Let's go! Following him down the stairs, his father said again, Don't fuck with me, son! Daniel yelled, let's go, to his dad again, and his father again responded with, don't fuck with me, son. This exchange happened a few times as Crespo moved closer towards Daniel. Now almost at the bottom of the staircase, Crespo turned and looked up towards the office to see Lavette standing at the top of the stairs, pointing his 9mm Beretta pistol at him. Three shots rang out and Lavette cried, no more! As Crespo fell backwards onto the lounge room floor, Lavette again said, No more. Daniel timidly approached his father, who had been shot in the chest. Crespo ordered him to call 911. 
Daniel did so and through tears told the operator, it wasn't my mum's fault, she was defending herself. Crespo was rushed to hospital and died in the operating room. Lovett sobbed when detectives gave her the news her husband was dead. She said, no, he's not. I just wanted him to stop. Oh, God. Sheriff's officials at the time said that both Lovett and Daniel had facial injuries from Crespo's attacks that meant they required treatment. According to LA Weekly, after Lovett shot her husband, their daughter Crystal told her boyfriend she didn't think their relationship would end this way. She said... I thought it would be my mum's body on the floor. I think everybody thought the story would end that way. Yeah. LA Weekly reported that Lovett sat up the front at her husband's funeral and cried when a video of him singing at a recent Miss Bell Gardens pageant was played. She even picked out his gravestone. It read, Daniel Crespo, beloved husband and father, your songs will play forever in our hearts. She also bought herself the cemetery plot next to his. Yeah, so she still loved him, even after all that abuse. Yeah, sadly, he was the only home she'd ever known, and she'd been reliant on him since she was 11 years old. It's hard for a lot of people to comprehend how deeply toxic and damaging relationships can go between two people. Yeah, that's true. District Attorney Jackie Lacey was unsure how to handle such a complicated case, so she convened a grand jury to decide whether Lovett Crespo should be charged with homicide or manslaughter. According to the Los Angeles Times, at a press conference after the announcement, the mayor's brother, William Crespo, denied Lovett's attorney's allegations about his brother's behaviour. He stated, I never saw any evidence of that. Show me the evidence. It has to be proven. She doesn't want to go to jail. That is why she's saying that. I just want justice for my brother. Sheriff's officials said there were no prior calls to police from the family's house and neighbours told the Los Angeles Times that they hadn't noticed any problems between them. Lovett's attorney, Eber Bayona, told reporters that was not uncommon. He said victims of domestic violence are not always ready to pick up the phone to call police. Generally speaking, there is fear, they are psychologically imprisoned, they are entrapped in these situations, and sometimes it's not easy for them to tell somebody. The attorney representing the Crespo's son Daniel and daughter Crystal said that her clients stand behind their mother and are grieving the loss of their father. She added things were not as they seemed. It was a difficult life they had at home. Carmen Avalos, the city clerk in Southgate, described Crespo as a happy guy who loved singing karaoke. Carmen summed up the views of many people who hadn't seen Crespo's dark side when she said she couldn't judge the situation because she didn't know what happened in the couple's home. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. Yeah, how could how could I know that? I w- yeah. wasn't there. It's not the public face that they were putting on the relationship, so how could anyone know? Exactly, indeed. According to ABC7, at the grand jury hearing, Daniel Crespo Jr. said his mother had shot his father to defend him. He stated, My father almost killed me. A punch like that falling down the staircase? I could have broken my neck. He also recounted how abusive his father was to his mother and his sister, including one occasion where he witnessed his sister being choked against a closet by their father. Daniel stated he had even told a school counsellor about the abuse in 2011, but nothing had come of it. 
He testified that his father's violence towards his mother escalated in 2014 and said he remembered seeing bruises on her face about a month before the shooting. The grand jury decided to charge Lavette Crespo with voluntary manslaughter because they found that the shooting wasn't premeditated and she had acted out of fear for her son's life. Rather than go to trial, 48-year-old Lavette Crespo struck a deal with the district attorney's office. In exchange for pleading guilty to voluntary manslaughter, she was offered a 90-day jail sentence, five years probation, 500 hours of community service and ordered to attend anger management classes. Deputy District Attorney Beth Silverman told reporters at the time that although the shooting was a crime, spousal abuse played a factor in her decision to offer Lavette a plea. According to the Orlando Sentinel, the mayor's brother, William Crespo, condemned her plea deal as too lenient because, of course, he would. He said, You can't take the law into your own hands, and that's exactly what she did. Lavette chose to execute him in cold blood. He was no angel, but Lavette surely is the devil. According to LA Weekly, a few minutes later, the couple's son Daniel addressed the court, saying that his mother had saved his life. Daniel described his father as a complicated man with the capacity for good who loved to listen to the Bee Gees. But he noted that he was also a liar, a bully and a cheater. Daniel said he had lots of demons and unfortunately the demons won. He then turned to his uncle William saying, You have no idea what my father did. At the end of his testimony, Daniel looked at his mother and said, I'm sorry, Mum. I wish that I was stronger and that I could have done something to stop him. Before issuing a ruling, Judge Kathleen Kennedy told Daniel, It wasn't your fault. You did the best that you could. As stated by AP News, Judge Kennedy said that she was sceptical at first of handing down the light term agreed to by prosecutors until she reviewed the sizeable grand jury transcripts, the psychological reports and a pre-sentencing investigation and saw how Daniel Crespo treated his wife and family. She said it was inevitable this was not going to end well, but I don't think it was inevitable that Daniel Crespo was the one who was going to end up dead. Kennedy called the couple's relationship a case study in the pain, hurt and scarring caused by domestic violence. She also noted that although Lavette was not Mother Teresa, she found that Daniel Sr. controlled all the levers in that relationship and was absolutely cruel to his wife. She stated to those sceptical of the plea agreement, it's sort of hard to understand when someone looks from the outside. They'd say, why didn't she just get out? Why didn't she just leave him? But I'm familiar with the cycle of violence. After serving her 90-day sentence, Lavette Crespo was released from county jail on February 28, 2017. Now, a lot of the research for this episode comes from a fantastic article in LA Weekly titled Mayor Daniel Crespo Batted His Wife for 28 Years. She Shot Him the Day He Turned on Their Son by Hillel Aaron. The article goes into more detail about Crespo's political career as well, which we didn't focus much on. So give it a read if you're interested in finding out more. The fourth femicide census, conducted by domestic abuse campaigner Karen Ingala-Smith in 2018, showed that 61% of all women killed by men in the UK were killed by their current or former partner. Although it's a UK study, that statistic is not uncommon across the board and is actually higher in some countries. Nearly all domestic violence murders are perpetrated by the abuser, and the abuser is usually male. 
The 2018 Victorian Royal Commission reported that in Victoria, three quarters of victims in family violence incidents attended by police were female and 77% of perpetrators were male. Now that's an Australian statistic, but again, it's common across the board. Just because we've mentioned that doesn't mean we're saying all men are abusers or that only men abuse women in domestic violence situations. Sometimes it is the other way around, but the majority of the time it isn't. That's right, too many men. And if you think we're attacking mankind or just men, we're not. We're attacking the men who attack women. And yeah. we make no apologies for that. No, and I really I really don't understand why saying something like this about men who abuse women should make so many men who don't abuse women get their hackles up and feel defensive. Unless you're abusing women too, this isn't aimed at you. It and really I don't isn't. know why people act like why some men act like it is. Yeah. What's with that? Yeah, grow up. Around 40% of women murdered due to domestic violence were killed by their ex-spouse in the year after they escaped the relationship. So saying, well, why doesn't she just leave? Like ending the cycle of violence is that simple is a big misreading of the situation. It really is. It really is. If you or someone you know is in a similar situation, you are not alone and help is available. Domestic violence helplines are a great start. Counselors will listen to you and help you feel less trapped and can even help you formulate an exit roadmap. We'll put some links in the notes of this show which may help. Domestic violence is not an aberration, it's a reflection on who we are as a society. But that doesn't mean we can't change this narrative. Absolutely. Whoa. Hey Tara, I have a question for you. Yes, Barney. What is Aussie as? Aussie as a tales of criminal stupidity and bloody legends with a quintessentially Australian flavour, would you like to hear one? Yes, I would. <laughs> After that, you'd like to hear five. According to the NT News, God, we love them, don't we? They're we the best. do. We love them. A pair of dodgy, bitey, drunken knucklehead thieves have been described by a judge as two of the most useless robbers on the planet. 24-year-old Harrison Norton pleaded guilty in the Supreme Court to one count each of aggravated robbery and damage to property in November 2020. The court heard that Hazard and his equally drunk-as-fuck mate, the 90s fan-fictionally named Keanu Ryder... <laughs> I love that. ...went to the Wycliffe Well Roadhouse on the night of August 8th, 2019. 19-year-old Kiki entered the store first and picked up a cross brace off a shelf. A what? It's like a cross-shaped metal tool. You're a, you're a cross-shaped metal tool. Oh, I wish I was metal. Hazard followed him into the store soon after and grabbed one of the three shop assistants from behind in a deranged and unwanted bear hug. Then, for reasons unknown, he shoved him into a pie warmer, causing it to fall off the counter and break. Oh no! What happened to the pies? They fell on the floor and got covered in broken glass. Well, that's seriously fucked up. They probably had other pies in the freezer, but now they have nothing to keep the pies warm in. Thanks, dickhead. I also think it's worth noting that he was violent to one of the shop assistants. Yeah, that's kind of bad of him too. Thanks for that too, dickhead. <laughs> the court heard Hazard told Kiki, try and make it fast, before he grabbed the employee he'd shoved into the pie warmer and bit him twice on the shoulder. How fucking creepy is that? Don't bite people. What are you, a toddler? Yeah, people who work in retail are not a sometimes food. They're a never food. They aren't a food. 
Kiki went behind the counter and tried to open a locked fridge that contained eight six-packs of VB stubbies with the cross brace, but he failed. Getting frustrated, he tried to break the glass door by hitting it with the tool, but he also failed at that too. At this point, one of the employees suggested that the rambunctious fuckknuckles just cut their losses and leave. Good advice. Yeah, I think so. Kiki refused, saying, Nah, I need grog. When the employee asked him how much he wanted, Kiki said, All of it, pointing to the eight six-packs of VB. Robbing a store of VB is just fucking stupid. I know, right? It's not super expensive and six-packs are kind of heavy. Why wouldn't they go for the top-shelf spirits or something? I mean, come on! Yeah, Japanese vodka. I love Mm, that stuff. Yeah. Taking charge of the situation, the employee told Kiki, No, I can give you one six-pack if you leave the property. Then began a short haggling session whereby Kiki agreed he and Hazza would leave the store if they were given two six-packs of VB. I would love to have heard, heard that negotiation. It probably started with one six-pack mm-hmm. of beer and two bites on the oh, ass. No, no. no bites. Have two six-packs. Yeah, two six-packs, <laughs> no bites. Thirsty Kiki left the store with the beer, followed by Hazza, who had been holding onto one of the employees in a wrestling grip. I honestly don't think Hazar even wanted the beer. He just wanted to bite and inappropriately manhandle someone while ruining the locals' chances of getting a hot pie. The police later found Hazar and Kiki parked a ways down the road because their getaway car had run out of petrol. When the cops rocked up, Hazar legged it into nearby bushland and wasn't seen again for several months. I bet he ate a lot of snails in that time. Oh, he loves the slimy and crunchy texture of snails. He probably went around trying to bite crocodiles as well. Yum! (laughs) Hazar was arrested on June 28, 2020. After hearing the case presented to her in court, Justice Judith Kelly threw some incredibly appropriate shade, saying that the two were totally unsophisticated in their operation. Perhaps it's inappropriate to say, but these would have to be two of the most useless robbers on the planet. The victims really had control of the situation. They even bargained with the robbers. The prosecution noticed the ludicrous and unnecessary body robbery was an unsophisticated offence, but stated there must have been some small degree of premeditation. Hazard's lawyer said that surprisingly he didn't have a significant criminal history and had no priors related to robbery. So he had an insignificant criminal history. I assume so, but probably lots of biting offences. I would consider that significant. Me too, and creepy as fuck. Like, calm your tits, baby Bundy. Kiki was sentenced to two weeks in jail in May last year. I wasn't able to find out what sentence Hazza received, but I'm hoping it involved the anti-bite restraint mask Hannibal Lecter wore in Silence of the Lambs when he was being transported. They wheel him around like a fridge. Now when he goes into a shop, he has to wear, you know, his face mask, and then he has to wear his Hannibal Lecter anti-biting mask on top of it. Yeah, biting, not cool. Not cool at all. This brings us to the end of the episode. But before we go, we'd like to thank some people who took the time to write us some good reviews. So thank you to Marie H or Mariah1973 from the United Kingdom. We've got XXL Historian. Of course we do. And that Sock Girl from Australia. And we've got Curious Roach. Hey, thanks, Davis. We'd also like to thank the wonderful Lorraine for all the work she does running the Facebook group with me. You know who else is awesome? Our patrons, we love them. We love them so much we've been holding monthly giveaways. Our February prize was a keep kicking a gangster prick's bath mat. And our randomly selected patron winner is Michelle Morland. Congratulations, Michelle. Our March prize is a get your hands off my dirty pillow 
pillow. That's right. It's a throw pillow for your couch that says... Get your hands off my dirty pillow, and the pillow looks like it's dirty. Ah, well, wonders never cease. It's also emblazoned with the Bloody Murder logo. Ah, it's so emblazoned. This 100% spun polyester pillow features a concealed zipper and includes a pillow insert filled with recycled fibre. Way! Yeah, well, it's fully washable too, but the dirt will never come off because it's printed <laughs> on. <laughs> Much like yourself, Barney. So for a chance to win... Get your hands off my dirty pillow, pillow, because I love saying that. Get your hands off my dirty pillow, pillow. For a chance to win, be a Bloody Murder patron at a level of $5 or above. Now, we've had a bunch of new bloody legends join our Patreon program. Oh, so thank you to Jason Abercrombie. Baby's back. Is he the Forex drinker? He certainly is. Oh, well, drink him up. Yeah, drink him up. Drink him up. Also, thank you to Sarah Mahaney. And... Alison Marie, thank you so much, all of you. If you would like to support us, visit our website, or if you just want to buy us a drink, that's my thirsty voice, mm-hmm. there's a PayPal donate button there too. And who's buying the drinks this week? Dana Kerr, who wrote, My dad and I adore the podcast. Oh. Would love to say a big happy 43rd birthday to Fraser from Goldburn, from his favourite daughter. Ah, oh, nice one. And we also had a donation from Jessica Cole. Thank you so much, Dana and Jessica. You're bloody legends. You really are. I've been Barney Black. And I've been Tara Saraban. And this is Bloody Murder. Please don't forget to review us on Apple Podcast, our IMDb listing, or our Facebook page. You don't need to write a well-crafted essay. Just five stars and a hair, baby, would still count. And, of course, rate and subscribe. It really helps us not get bitten by some of the most useless robbers on the planet. Um, what if you want to encourage them? I'm sure that wouldn't be a struggle for you. Just get up against a pie warmer and uh, pull your T-shirt down over one shoulder. I'm doing it right now. Oh, that's beautiful. Follow us on our Facebook page or join our Facebook group. On Twitter, we're at Bloody Murder Pod. And on Instagram, we're bloody underscore murder underscore podcast. Check out our website, bloodymurderpodcast.com for news, galleries, more episodes and links to our threadless merchandise. Thanks for sticking around and we'll be back soon. Goodbye and adios. And keep kicking against the pricks. So here's something, Tara. Mm Mm-hmm. We were watching uh, Beast Wars Transformers the other day. It's a really old series. It's from the it's from the nineties, and it's really bad CGI. It's so bad that it's really funny. Uh, it's where Optimus changes into a gorilla. A gorilla? That's no kind of car or truck. I know. It's very strange, and Bumblebee turns into a cheetah. But it's a bee. I know. It's very weird. Anyway, we were watching that, laughing at it, and then we're watching the new Transformers series, Earthrise. And it's all leading to them remaking it. Oh, wow. It's fantastic. And then in the shops, I found the toys. Oh, did you buy them all? Well, we got the one that turns into a gorilla. Optimus turns into a gorilla. It's so strange. Does it have fur on it? Well, not really. It's like a plasticky kind of thing, you know. But uh, it's it's pretty cool. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that, Barney. Thank you. So uh, speaking of beasts... Ah, yes. Barney was uh, was driving today, uh, driving me here to do the podcast. And we're, you know, just having a chat, driving down the road. And I, I look out the side window and I notice there's a big fuck-off gigantic huntsman, almost the size of my hand, just sitting right there on the door. That's one of those monkey-eating huntsmen. They can eat, they can eat an entire <laughs> it wanted, monkey. It wanted to eat this monkey. Um, so then I was like, Barney, Barney, pull over. So he pulled over and then I was thinking, okay, so I need to get out. Oh, 
the spider is just, you know, very, very close to the door handle. Uh, you, and he looked ready to pounce as well because they jump. You neglected to mention that you screamed like Flanders first. Yeah, I did, actually. I wasn't expecting ah. to see it. I really was. I was mid-sentence banging on about something non-spider related for a change. And I squealed like a girl. Ah! And uh, then, yes, Barney pulled over and then I was like, oh, well, I can't do that. I'm going to have to crawl over into the back seat <laughs> like the gymnastic ninja that I am. Uh, but no, Barney was the hero. Uh, he got out of the car, grabbed my hoodie and uh, opened the door and uh, used it to get the spider off. Wanted to stay inside my hoodie, though. It was like, this is a sweet hoodie. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He's in Bridge Road in, in Richmond. He's probably taking heroin as we speak. <laughs> I mean, it's quite near to some places where you can get it. But you've heard us say we're not here to fuck spiders, and we're not. No, we're not, because if we were, I mean, we could have said, hey, baby. We could have said, hey, baby, to that spider. And we could have gone, look, you into it? What, you up for that? I mean, that's not why we're here, but... I think he wanted to eat a monkey or our faces. Yeah, I think he wanted to jump on my face and, yeah. and lay eggs inside my nostrils. Oh, God, the heart was pounding in my chest. I was looking around for an adult to take care of it. And I realized <laughs> there weren't I, any. There was there, just us. It was just us. It just, it just reminds me of the, the lizard in the printer. I had to take care of that, too. We looked for an adult, but there wasn't one. No, there wasn't one, and it was your printer, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, good times. Good times. Good times. Um, excuse us if we skip the ticker tape parade. Yeah, I've got to wash my hair that day. Yeah, I've got to wash Barney's hair that day too. <laughs> oh, that's normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any any uh, people who work together in podcasting do that. I mean, the Jimmies from Crime in Sports and Small Town Murder, they do it all the time. Yeah, that's right. History dweebs, they're always washing each other's hair that lot. According to LA Weekly, in a bizarre turn of events, Patty and Lavette started texting each other to commiserate about the new other woman Crespo was seeing. You couldn't make this up. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. I guess so. No, the friend it's of my... It's not true. <laughs> it's usually the friend of my friend is my friend. <laughs> well, sometimes. <laughs> the enemy of my enemy is usually another enemy. <laughs> <laughs> it's complicated. It's like an Escher painting. Yeah. Uh. So cute in there. Look at that. The cat's in the igloo. And the silver spoon. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's in the igloo. He's in his little igloo. Not his poo igloo. His relaxing igloo. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a large Ugg boot. I would, uh, I would probably get in there too if it, if I could fit and it wasn't so it looks, hot. It looks nice, doesn't it? I might yeah, just pull, pull it over my head. Oh, my God. You could wear it like a, like a big Russian hat. I could. I would like that very much, Barney. Hang on. I'll tell you a bit. I would like that very much, Barney. True Crime Nerd Time is an opportunity for you, our listeners, to give us your recommendations for anything true or fiction crime related. It can be a book, me... Never said this before. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's the first time to read anything. I know it's a cold read. You're not at all. You didn't write this either. You've never seen it before. It can be difficult. You can stumble a bit when you're reading. Well, what I like to do is just forget everything I know. Mm-hmm. And so I have fresh eyes on it. And it's like the first time I've ever seen it. <laughs> it's actually worse than the first time you ever saw it. <laughs> yeah. That's how I read everything now. <laughs> oh, not everything. Barney and I are both big believers in therapy. We've both been several times. I feel like I'm there now. (laughs) I fucking wish I was there now. Cunt. 
I know. How do you like your economy? I like it. Randy. I like a randy economy. I think randy means different things to different countries. And here it means horny. Yeah. But, um, yeah. What does it mean elsewhere? Oh, it's just a name. Really? Like John. Oh, well, John also means horny in this country. Uh, it means the toilet, doesn't it? <laughs> Uh, why are you looking to me for some kind of wisdom, mate? I'm all out. Yeah? Yeah, the the wisdom bank is dried my wis- up. My wisdom, wisdom cupboard is empty. Yes, yes. It's all bare. Mm. Nothing in there, mate. Nothing at all. Echoing. Cat's doing a poo. Cat's doing a poo. Ah, oh, the smell can't be far off from reaching our nostrils. That's right. I love that our... Um, Fancy recording studio has a cat litter igloo in it. <laughs> well, where would you put it? Ah, uh, put it on the desk next to the computer. <laughs> <laughs> We'd, I'd just sit in it and do the podcast from there. Oh yeah, you wouldn't have to make all those toilet breaks. No, I was just. You could there do. We go. You could do your angry and sad wheeze in there. I could do of... my angry and sad wheeze in the in the privacy igloo. Yeah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 